Welcome to an episode of my Best Eleven podcast. Today we are joined by a right back who has played across. I only know, played for three clubs in his career. Um, played the majority of his time at Luton, West Ham, and then finished off his career at QPR, picking up a couple of under twenty one caps on the way. Um, and we'll find a little bit more about what he's doing um, his career, but he's still in football today. Um, hello to Tim Breaker. How are you, Tim? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Thanks for inviting me on. Excellent. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Marv, how are you going? I'm good, Andrew. Thank you. And it's great to have another fellow ex-teammate, as you call it. And I can actually say that when I was first coming through the the ranks, Tim was easily by far the, the fittest man. It was like a Rolls Royce. It was ridiculous how fit the, this guy used to run up and down when we did the cross countries and not even be tired. It's annoying. In fact. Still him. like that, Tim? No, no. <laughs> Try, I'm trying, but I'm fighting it. It's a, it's, a, it's a battle I'm fighting, but I'm losing, definitely. So, um, what we do is, those people who haven't listened before, we go through Tim's uh, best 11 players he's ever set foot on a pitch with. Uh, what we always like to start with, um, I know Tim's still involved in football, is formation. Uh, so, what formation have you made your team, Tim? Well, had to be a back four. Um because that's what I always played in. Now and again, I'd had the old wing-back one, which wasn't much fun, to be honest, because <laughs> even if you can run, that's, there's no thanks in that one. Um, and then I'm going to go very attacking. I thought about a couple of holding midfield players who I might mention later, but I'm going very attacking. So it's like a 4-3-3, a three, three, but it's more of a diamond, actually, like a diamond. It's a four-diamond two. Um, that way, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be very attacking, very open and play for the fans so it's uh, a very attacking uh, exciting team hopefully that sounds great Tim I mean I, that's, that's currently a formation I'm I've been using with the girls over here I like I like it because it is very attacking but on the yeah. flip side if you don't get those two on the diamond on the outside of the diamond like marking or picking up yeah. when they should be picking up you could mm. get overrun yeah I've got two perfect players for that right. perfect for it Made excellent for it. so We'll start off with goalkeepers. When you are ready, Tim, over to you, sir. Well, my goalkeeper is, um, uh, for me, uh, out of all the players that I'm going to mention today, he, he for me, was a truly, truly world-class player. Um, he played for his country, played in World Cups. And um, when, I, when I started working with him, I thought, oh, wow, this guy is something special. Um, and when you talk about athletes, he was an unbelievable athlete. He, I've never seen anything like it. He, you know, he could have turned his out and so many different sports. And uh, as a goalkeeper, he actually could do the cross countries as well. Whereas uh, back in the day, one of the other goalkeepers who was very close to being up there with him, um, but wasn't an athlete, was Andy Dibble, who I remember one, once upon a time swimming a river on a cross country to get back. But that's another story. But this lad is... Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Is he Czech? He, he is. He is. Yeah. 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 Very much so. And um, yeah, I think you got him, Marv. But what a player! I haven't got his name though. No, it's not. It's not. It's not Ludo. Is it Ludo? That's it, Ludo. Ludek Maklosko. Yeah. Oh, Maklosko. right. Okay. Yeah. So, so funny. I enough, thought uh, you were going to say Pavel. No, I thought you were going to say Pavel Sernishev, but I think he played for West Ham, did he? I was going down a route with Shaka. What right. about Shaka? It, 
Shaka, Shaka was very, very good. I, he was more, uh, when I was going out of West Ham, he was coming in. Um, but Ludo, no, honestly, in training, you couldn't get past him. He was just immense. And and not just, you know, for a big man, shot stopping. Um, he would, you know, under pressure back in them days, the ball would get launched forward every single game, no matter who you were playing, right at the death. They would, and he would just come and pluck it sort of five foot above everybody else and so good. I mean, as a modern keeper now, they have to kick it um, and be very comfortable on the ball. And that wasn't his forte, but I think if he came through now, he was so good that he would learn how to do that as well. He, you know, he, was, he was fantastic. Fantastic bloke as well. Uh, very, very humble, um, but truly, for me, a world-class keeper. He was, yeah. And he was up there in the running, Tim, was he? He was up there in the running. He was up oh, he could there do the running. Run- he could do the cross countries. yeah. You know, normally goalkeepers put the old goalkeeper. I'm not doing it, but no, he, he could do everything. He used to be, it's some of the things you see him doing in the gym. He was, he was like a gymnast as well. And, and um, I think he, I think he did ice skating and, it, you know, like power um, skating, you know, the racing, that type of speed skating thing. Yeah. Speed skating and he could do, you know, cross country skiing. And he's one of them. He, he, he could do anything like that. He was so good, so fit. And like I say, trying to score past him, not that I was, very good at you know you get the old chance you're allowed to have a few shots at the keeper but never never I don't think I ever scored past him he was the, he was that good he just looked he was a man mountain in the, in the goal and get down low high anything very very good how do you think the the fitness gave him the edge or do you think it made any difference or was it just a personal thing for him in terms of being a goalkeeper because I know obviously he works working yeah. in football still um, does it make a huge difference for a keeper to be that fit I think it does, especially now um, moving their feet, getting across the goal, uh, balls over the top, quick off their line, you know, confidence in the, in their body like that. Um, but that's kind of more short, sharp burst rather than across country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he honestly, so f- he, he, he could do everything. He would sprint. He would do any running, anything. Um, like I say, a gymnast, jump high, get down low, get up quick, those sort of things for a big guy, you know. Uh, I think he's probably six, four, five, but you know, he's a man mountain, but absolutely agile as as you wouldn't believe. You know, um, I think I, I could honestly, like I say, when I signed at West Ham, I couldn't believe how good he was and and how fit he was and how much of an athlete. When I say athlete, not just like in terms of the running, but being agile and um, you know being able to get around the box and just so good, so good. I think that, that's a very good question you've just asked there, Andrew. And I'm just thinking about it, <laughs> thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I'm thinking about like if you if you're really really fit, you you tend to like focus more, don't you? Your 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 reaction are going to be a lot more quicker. So I think that probably would have had a big difference, even though as a goalkeeper they're not running around and doing as much running mm. as an outfield player. But still, if you're really really fit, your concentration levels are going to be much higher than someone who obviously who's a little bit more tired. So. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's no, good point. Good point. Mm. I think as well when you look now um, back in those days, when you think about other sports like crit- cricketers and golfers, even now they when you watch golf, they're immensely fit, aren't they? You know, they yeah. spend a lot of time in the gym. Even tennis players, you don't just play tennis; they do everything now, don't they? Right. Uh, and he was sort of that sort of bloke, to be honest. He was in the gym all the time, you know. And you'd be asking what you, what you're doing, and he'd, he'd be doing all he'd be doing everything in there, you know. Not lifting weights as such, but agile stuff and working uh, his body. Yeah, very, very good. 
but yeah, that sort of thing more in terms of that, a modern keeper in terms of that, because I think they're more like that now. Um, so yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, oh, thank you. Uh, so moving on to your own position, right back. Well, um, yeah, there's there's a couple who um, come to mind who that um, when I was playing that was sort of we were in and out at times together, but one that I, I really liked and looked up to a lot when I was coming through um, was a player who was very unlucky in his career. Um, he he had an injury that not many players have once, but he had it twice in his career and very underrated, um, very technical, uh, technically good, um, a very, like I say, underrated um defensively sound couldn't get by him even though people thought was, they could was, um, he, was this at Luton this was at Luton yeah when I was coming through um like I say was very unlucky with injuries and that sort of helped me um because up until I got in the team I'd never played right back in my life I made well I made my debut in midfield for Luton um alongside another legend Brian Horton uh, so what, you was a midfielder Tim was you before yeah, yeah, I come through the ranks oh. as a midfield player, signed as a midfield player wide, and then I made my debut in the centre with Brian Horton. Um, I think I played the next, I played two games, and it was that season when Luton was struggling. It was the, the debut plate run across the pitch at Man City. It was that season. Um, so it, it sort of, when the team was struggling, it wasn't for a young lad. So I was out of the team. Um, Kirk Stevens was the right back at the time. And then when he moved on, and he was injured, or he was injured, sorry, I, they chucked me in at right back and and um, the rest was history. I never played anywhere else after. Well, played centre-half a couple of times, but never really moved. Uh, this, uh, this player, is it... Um, you might be related to him, actually, Marv. I was going to say, Rob Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, Rob, Rob as a... As a like I say, massively underrated. Somebody you know, I learned a lot, lot off, um, and probably didn't help him in his career at Lewin because I came through, you know, and uh, restricted his chances. And then he had both cruciates as well, um, and a, and a fantastic gentleman of a lad as well, you know. Um, yeah, so he, I, I'm going to put him in there unless I can just put myself in there and sort of push him out again. So sorry, Rob. Maybe I'll put myself in. You know, um, I, I, I was. Because um, what he had a funny nickname, didn't he? What was his nickname? He had a weird nickname. I can't think what the. Uh, he used to say he was say because it looked like um a Mexican or something. Was it? Yeah. yeah. What else? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think. It'll come I, to me. I yeah. Knew, yeah. I knew you guys yeah. used to call him something, and I can't think what it was yeah. now. Yeah. No, like, I can't. Think. I think the other one who, who was similar to Rob when I was at um. But when I was at West Ham originally, Steve Potts was the right back when I signed there. And then he, very similar to me, going to right back at the first time, he went to centre-half and his career took off there in terms of, you know, that's where he played his whole career. And then Kenny Brown came in and and Kenny did really well. When, but I was lucky I kept my position and whatever. So they were the two players really, uh, well, Stevie to start with, but um, Rob and then, um, and then Kenny Brown, who... I sort of vied with the position, but I'll put myself in actually, Marv. Yeah, but the first one, Andrew, we've got one. (laughs) We've got one. Yes. Put himself in. Yes, really. I just want to play with this team because I just love the sound of it. And uh, the thought of playing with that team would be amazing. I was lucky to play great players, you know. know, Great uh, to see. 
So where would you, if you were to play in the in today's era, um, which team do you think you'd suit your your playing style the best? Obviously, in the um, Premier, we're talking Premier League, so we've got world yeah. fans who don't pull a championship. Um, I would say, I, I don't know, really, uh, if you said... I was more, to be honest, I was a frustrated uh, midfielder playing at right back, so I just used to run forward all the time, whereas nowadays they do they do that anyway, you know? So most of them, I think I could, uh, you know, in terms of the going forward and, and not having to worry so much. And um, a little story about that, actually. Um, when, uh, when, I, when I finished playing, I went to QPR. I was at QPR as a player, and then um, when I finished playing, the chief scout was... Um, he used to be chief scout at Arsenal and I ended up sharing an office with him. And he told me this story and he said, did you realise when you was at Luton that I wanted to sign you for Arsenal? So I went, you're joking. So he said, no, no, no. <laughs> I, said, I, want, <laughs> I wanted to sign you for Arsenal. I was like, really? He said, but uh, George Graham overruled him and went for Lee Dixon. And uh, that was funny enough. That was the reason he told me that George Graham wanted somebody who was more of a stay at home fullback like a traditional um if you like whereas I was obviously that was my game was more thinking thinking forward and getting crosses in more like a modern fullback if you like but um you know I think George Graham knew his stuff didn't he Lee Dixon went on to play for England and with a load of titles and stuff but so uh I thought I, this was like um I thought no nah, I wish you hadn't told me that I wish you hadn't told me that. I, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea because you didn't have an agent back in them days to tell you. So um, I had no idea. And I just finished playing. I thought, oh, I don't know how to take that bit of information, you know. I think you meant it as a compliment. That yeah, I was going to say, it, it probably was more as a compliment because the way it sounds like he was talking, it was a case of that. There wasn't a bid put in, was there, really? It was just a conversation? No, not that, not that I knew of. Right. Not that I knew right. of. Not that I knew. I think they were just, it was that, they were putting their team together at Arsenal and, um, you know, like Stevie Bold came in, uh, Winterburn, mm. Dixon, they, they built a team really, that George Graham did. Um, but yeah. But he yeah. wasn't exactly a stay-at-home guy, was he? Winterburn, to be fair. Winterburn, um, not really. I think he was more, I think, I, I don't know, obviously they worked a lot on their Back forward defender. Maybe, maybe I wasn't a good enough defender for him. Or to, maybe or, your arms weren't long enough to put your hands up for the offside. Yeah, that was it. The, the offside. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was lucky. I was lucky. I was very happy anyway with with my lot. So yeah, but funny story. Yeah, oh, very, very interesting. It, make, it makes a lot of sense now. Then why I didn't leave then. Oh my god! I'm always bombing forward, centre back. No chance, am I? Then no chance. No, you're right. You're right, Mark. Yeah, modern day. No chance. Not a cutting out chance. Stone. Yeah, Stonesy coming out of the ball. That'd have been you. <laughs> uh, so moving across to Miles, um, part Miles part time position, um, part time left back, centre back, and mostly striker. Um, where did you? Sorry, who? Which left back is the best left back you've ever played with? Um, Again, it's I've been lucky. I played with some very good ones, um, and it's close between a couple, really. But the one I've gone for um, was quite a unique player. Um, he 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 was. I, I was always like a, brought up as stretching and and um, an athletic side of it, and that sort of. Um, when I saw the first saw this player, he he sort of says to me, "What are you doing?" I said, well, I'm stretching, getting ready for training. He went, what? Don't need any of that. And he just used to go out and smash balls around. 
but um, the way he smashed them around was it was it was like uh, you know like when you see a good golfer and he just hits the ball and it's sweet yeah. and out of, out of nothing, no back. This was him. This was him. He had an unbelievable left foot. He, he wasn't uh, blessed athletically because I think if he was, then he would have you know played. Was he aggressive? Was he was he quite aggressive? I would say, yeah, that was another side of him that probably didn't help him. I think you might have him, Marv. But, yeah, uh, he did have a different side to him. And, and uh, yeah, which a lot of players uh, back in them days you had to have. But, yeah, he did have a, a side to him. And, again, he was one who was quite unlucky with injuries. Um, very soon after I joined him, he, he got an injury. And uh, he had it throughout his career, really. Um, plagued him a little bit. But he was a sort of didn't care and just got on with it and fought for it, you know. But um, even with that, it, it was almost like he carried it. But he was still a fantastic footballer, you know. Like I said, an unbelievable left foot. Um, Pardon? No, no, Andrew, he's got it. I've got one or two. Go on, then. I know who it is. Uh, Julian Dix? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. I wasn't, sure, I wasn't sure if you played with Psycho, Stuart Pearce. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Did I he join against... West Ham after you left? He did, yeah. I think he was, yeah, yeah early 2000s. Um, yeah. The other one, Julian Dicks. What, yeah. what a, I see what you mean now about aggression. <laughs> yeah. Pim, mm. mm. did you, I mean, you, I think you must have done, playing the, the semi-final against them in the Littles Cup, was it? Yes, yeah, yeah. I remember that, that well. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I remember seeing a clip of it the other day and it was a case that, Julian Dix was playing for West Ham and then the, the ball had got cleared. The next thing they turned around and it showed Dix's face and it was like a massive, massive goal. His cheekbone was mm-hmm. out here. And they yeah. said, it looks like he's had a clash with Mick Hartford. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. his face was mm-hmm. tough, but like mm-hmm. tough as now, like you said, because he didn't want to yeah. go off. Dix did not want to go off. And I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. His face mm-hmm. was the size mm-hmm. of a size for football, literally. It was a battle. I think I think we got really wound up um, by them. And um, I, I just remember before the game, there was sort of their programme was talk about um, the final and it was the second leg and it wasn't over, you know, and it was like, you know, almost preparations for Wembley. And we were really fired up. I remember um, I was still quite young then, you know, 22, I think. Um, and um, Liam Brady was playing and uh, he was playing on the left and I remember the senior lad saying to me you know what you got to do as soon as Liam Brady gets the ball and I was like yeah okay and then they just kept saying you know what you got to do as soon as Liam all right okay okay you know it was like that so, and I thought oh Liam Brady's a legend do you know what I mean I don't really you know it's one of them but all right yeah yeah I'll get, I'll get this for the team I've got to do it and of course, as soon as I got the chance, um, he was towards the end of his career. I mean, unbelievable player. Um, but yeah, it was like that. We had to be aggressive with him, and um, and we um, and we uh, you know we won through in the end. So yeah, yeah, good memories. Oh, definitely, Julian. So Julian Dix, he always came across as um, the hard nut. What was he like in the dressing room? Was the hard nut in the dressing room, or was the would the comedian come out, or what was it like? Uh, he he he's a nice lad, actually. A really strange. Not a strange character, that sounds a bit disrespectful, but, you know, when you got to know him, he was one of them, like I'm saying about, he used to say to me, what's all that stretching about? And that sort of thing. But, and and like, if you went in the gym, he'd be like, what? You know, I don't do any weights. And then, but he'd be the one who'd go home and do weights at home, or he would, 
you know, be he, he would be eating crap in front of everybody else and then go home and have a you just got the feeling that no, surely he, he, he was he was a bit like that. And sometimes he'd sort of, you know, it'd be like, all right, I better do that. I'm, I'm his, but it didn't, his bravado didn't want, he didn't want to do it in front of, of everybody sort of thing. You know, he wanted to just be himself. And it is a great character. He's a great character. Do so you think yeah, an element yeah. of it was bravado then? Um, a bit of white line fever? Possibly, yeah, possibly. There's a bit of that. And um, yeah, I, I think he was, I think he was like that anyway, uh, when he was younger and he was always, uh, that sort of era, it was like that. There was a lot of off the ball stuff and there was a lot of, you know, you've got to stick up for yourself. You've got to get your elbow in first, if you like. And, you know, that it, that was the way the game was really. And, you know, sort of, it was, that's how you had to be to survive really. Um, and I think as well with him, because he was such a good footballer, he, he needed that other side. And yeah, he, he sort of um, made sure he had the other side, put it that way, you know. And I think the fans loved him for it as well, you know. So he sort of even more gave him even more confidence and played into it as well. So yeah, yeah, good player though. That's the thing. People well, sometimes with those ones they think, oh yeah, he was this, that, and the other. But no, he's a very good player. Take away everything else, you know. No, definitely. So moving across the centre backs in any particular yep. order, left hand side or right hand side. Uh, again, I've got. A it's so hard, so hard because uh, there's so many names I could. Throw in and, is this um, the hardest position for you? Because obviously you played next to them, so you um, appreciate them a bit more. Yeah, I think the one I'm going to go for is is because you know at the time in my career he he massively helped me, um, and um, you know I'd always appreciate that. And I, I think as well, you know, there's a lot of like I said names I could name and and um, who I played with, and maybe it wasn't their sort of time of their career, if you like. It wasn't their sort of purple patch. But I think for this player, this was probably his purple patch of his career. What he was, he maybe, maybe before that he'd, he'd he'd done well anyway. But this was maybe what he'd be remembered for. But for me, he really helped me. Um, and um, in terms of when I was a young player, and like I said before, I didn't play the position until I got into the first team. So it was later on that you know he helped he helped me. Um, and some of them things that you pick up that you couldn't pick up from training or from coach it's hard to give to a player but when you're on the pitch together and it's you know in in the heat of the battle you need somebody next to you who's gonna help you and and he did that for me so I appreciate him for that but he was also um you know he was also a good organizer which you had to have in those days in terms of the back four which you, you you don't see as much now a good talker um underrated as a footballer and I think um in what I mean as a footballer I mean as you know technically in possession um, because in them days you didn't have that much time, especially at centre half. You know, was, if you had two touches, you were lucky. You know, whereas now they have a lot more time to show how, you know, how good they can be, if you like, or um, they're not pressed as much. So he, he could play as well, but he was an immense character, um, like I say, a leader, and and I think every team needs one of those, and he definitely did that for for this team that I played when I played with him. You know. Um, so yeah, for that I'd put him in, in my be. team. Captain Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, had to be, had to be. Like I say, there's there's other players at other times. You know, I, when I went to West Ham, Alvin Martin, fantastic player. Miguel, fantastic player. Um, they were perhaps not being horrible to them. There was maybe not their purple patch, their career that might have been before that. You know, 
but for Fozzie, I thought that was his time. And um, like I say, personally, he helped me, um, talk me through the game. And sometimes he, he, you know, he, he was very aggressive with me, which I needed, you know, switched me up. But and then when you're older and you you become you you get more experience, you sort of you play the game and talk at the same time. When you're younger, you can't do both, you know, you sort of you can't play and think and like there's so much going on. Whereas he could do both. He'd be doing making sure I was switched on and doing his own job at the same time. So I always appreciated him for that. And um a great character. Like I say, every every team needs one and he, he definitely was that. Um, so yeah, Fozzie would be my my centre half. I definitely agree agree with you. Um, he, he was basically like having a manager on the on the field with you, wasn't it? Because he he was so yeah. organised and so like making sure structural that we were right defensively. Which is, I mean, yeah. which is great, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think you know a lot. And that was probably something that before he came to the club was possibly missing or, you know, from at that particular time, maybe, you know, when I was an apprentice and watching, you had like a Mick Saxby type guy who fans would know. And I remember, you know, he, he had his injuries and he was out of it. But he, as that type of character, you know, you, every every team sort of needed one. And um, mm. Um, and I think we needed that at that time. And like, you know, it was well documented about the spine of the team that was brought in by David Pleat. And I think he was obviously a massive, massive part of that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Next to Steve Foster is... Right. Um, again, I think especially in this position, you need uh, players who can kind of complement each other. Um, so with Fuzzy in there, he needed somebody um, or need somebody around him who who... He's uh, very athletic, can cover the ground, um, will do the uh, do the other side of the game. That's not always noticed um, and read off off the one attacking the ball, that type of thing. Um, and this guy did that very, very well, very unassuming. International? Pardon? International? Um, yeah, I think he played quite a lot for his country in the World Cup as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah an international um, and like I said before there's there's so many players that I played with that I could pick at centre half um, and um, but at this time that, uh, in my memory this was sort of again his purple patch and he went on to play for one of the biggest clubs in the country um, which was no surprise I think, no surprise to us but maybe to other people outside of the club because he was one of those ones, unsung hero, who would be, you know, eight out of ten every week, you know, never drop. He'd always be there, um, go about his job, and um, a fantastic uh, character, unassuming um, type. But, yeah, very underrated and could play in, you know, modern day play in midfield, play left back easy. Play so I had it, and then you keep giving me all these other clues, which put me off. <laughs> no, stay strong, stick with it. Go on, just say it. Rio Ferdinand. Well, Rio's up there, but he, he was very young when he came through, and he's that type. But this guy was like a Rolls Royce as well. Rio was a Rolls Royce, but this guy was as well. Um, oh, who are you going for, Marv? Rio as well? That's, what, that's who I was going for. That's who I was, was going you? for. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Rio, uh-huh. but... I thought he was a little Rio. bit... Young, Rio was a little coming, bit young. Yeah, yeah. He was coming through. He was coming through. Um, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, that era. They were all coming through. Uh, I tell you a story. There's another story about Rio actually that comes to mind. But um, 
But yeah, they were coming through. I remember him as a young lad, actually. Have you got time for a quick, quick story yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah go, go for it. It'll give us a chance to try and to... think of this other player. It gives us a chance. <laughs> no, he, uh, I remember because when you say that he was a young lad coming through, he's an apprentice at, at West Ham, and um, Tony Carr was the the uh, youth team manager. He used to get him in on a Monday, and he used to do a mile, like straight off mile. There you go, bang. From on Monday morning, forget about this, uh, you know, recovery day. Anyway, this one day they all come in from doing this mile and all around the the uh, water, the water, but trying to get some water and gasping and whatever. So Harry Redknapp was the manager. So Harry's come in and gone. Uh, he's gone. Rio, Rio, Rio. Who's the first man to do the four minute mile? So Rio's like, stop. So I don't know, boss. We're doing our best, but nobody's actually done it yet, like that, you know. So. He's like, <laughs> And I'm sure Harry must have told the story a bit better than me, but I, I just remember looking and thinking, oh, you know, Roger Bannister, you know, Roger Bannister. He's you know, like, oh, boss, you know, we're doing our best, we're doing our best, but nobody's done near four minutes yet, you know. It's a classic, it's a classic, it's a classic. But um, Going back to your player, is yeah. what country was it? International? England? No. Ah, oh, see. Give us a clue then. What country is it? Northern Ireland. Yeah, Mal, Maldoni, yeah. Maldoni, yeah, yeah. Like I say, fantastic player, un, un, uh, unassuming, um, underrated, and uh, like you say, a Rolls Royce, a Rolls Royce. And I was lucky; I played with Slaven Bilic and uh, Mark Reaper there. I said about Tony Gale, Steve Potts was an unbelievable centre half, very underrated. Um, for his size, he, he won things in the air, he covered, um, he was very, very good. So he'd be up there as well, definitely. And a legend, yeah, again, another one, very similar to Mal, in that he was never, fans fans knew that he was a top player outside the club. People didn't always see it, but he, he won player of the year, year on year, you know, yeah. so the fans could see it. But yeah, I was lucky. So sorry, those ones, but... Just those two at the time as a compliment to each other were fantastic, I thought, for Luton. I had Mal in my mind and then I forgot Mal went to Manchester United because I was thinking mm. Rio's too young. And then when you said, I think it's Mal, it's Mal. And then you went, he went to one of the top teams in the country. I forgot Mal went to United. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And Chelsea. And Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. After that, yeah. Yeah, amazing, really, for, you know... Mm. For him, for him to be recognised like that, as and like I say, it, people who, who knew their stuff would see it, but it wasn't the sort of character who was always picked out as being a man of a man, but he'd always be there or thereabouts, you know, but very consistent and uh, read the game well, underrated, underrated. Oh, definitely. So what we'll do is we'll pause at that point um, and then after a advert we will then hear from tim breakers rest of his attacking formation so back in a minute from my best 11 thank you for listening to my best 11 pod we are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships you can reach us at my best 11 pod or my best 11 pod at gmail.com thank you Great, so we're back for part two of My Best Eleven podcast. Those people who've forgotten in our short ad break, um, Tim Breaker's here, and he's so far named Ludic Picosco, Rob Johnson, Julian Dix, Steve Foster, and Mal Donaghy. 
So we're going to go into midfield. So you're holding midfielders that are going to do all the work because the rest of your team's attacking. Whichever well, one he, you prefer, Tim. He, he, this player is going to dictate the play. He's going to be like um, Perlo of Italy. He's that type of player. He's, he's, he can get on the ball and he'll keep the ball. He'll manoeuvre the ball. He'll find passes forwards. Um, he'll pick people out. He'll have the ball in tight areas and, and get away from people. Um, he'll play between lines. Um, and out of possession, yeah, he could do with being a bit more athletic and a, or um, a bigger, bigger physically, if you like. But, no, I'm going for a proper all-out football team and I need somebody like him who's going to just have the ball in tight areas and, and dictate the play. Nobody's going to get near him. Um, Rich, I could... Then, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, say this. What club was this at? This played with this was this was at West Ham, and um, like I say, there's other players. I've, I've had to leave out a defensive midfield player, like I, I mentioned Brian Orton previously. Um, that type, uh, Stevie Lomas was exactly like that. Fantastic and good captains, both of them. But I've gone very attacking, so um, I might be I might be a little bit open when the ball turns over. But we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with that later. But uh, yeah, this player, he, he he would have the ball anywhere. And if you didn't give it to him, he would let you know that he should have had it. And then eventually he'd say, hold on a minute, I just, you know, he, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't mind. But to start with, he would, he, he don't care how many people's on him. He, he'll have the ball, you know, perfect for for any team. And he wouldn't give it away. Very rarely would he give it away, you know. Let it run across his body like the old Trevor Brooking used to do. Um, but he, he, uh, he could pass it. He chipped him with the old goal, but he would dictate the play. International? He didn't quite make it as an international, no. I think he a couple of 21s like myself, a B, I think he got in the B squad and whatever. Um, but he's, he, when I first went there, he was, again, one of those, I, I was very surprised how good a player he was. And, and, um, I mean, was he, I'm getting at someone, was he, was he quite loud? Um, okay. Not particularly, no, not particularly. He was, okay. He's a character. The character fans like I, I was I was thinking of if it's not him then John Monker. John Monker's another one who I could have put in there because another very good footballer and and he was or is the funniest man I've ever met. Funniest man I've ever met. It just would make you laugh on a daily basis and do the most stupid things and and I was always the sort who would couldn't help it but would have to laugh or would have to laugh. It just so many stories I could tell you about him just even now, it makes you laugh thinking about him. He's that sort. But he was a very good player as well. Very good player. And you, and you got no, I'm out. I'm out. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. He came from... What clubs did he play for? Man City. Um, yeah, went back to Man Berkovic, is it? No, oh. no, no. He was... Um, what other clubs? Shot, yeah, I, for, I forgot about uh, Berkovic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he was more of a forward thinking. He was more of a forward thinking. But I'm trying to yeah. this play. He, he says has, getting his pen out. Yeah, he has. I mean, yeah. he has the ball in tight areas. Yeah, long, long hair. Long hair. If that helped you. Oh, oh, Ian Bishop. Yeah, Bishop. Yeah, you got him. You got him. You got <laughs> I don't know why the long hair is what clicks it for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's. He was. Very good. Like I say, one of those players, personally, uh, I loved it when players, you could just give them the ball in tight areas and, and they wouldn't give it away and they'd always want it. And um, like I say, 
an attacking team, you know, I think modern day midfield is probably more, um, a, a, I, I don't know, maybe there is some more technical like that, but a lot of them have to be athletes, you know, the days of sort of the Glen Oddles and uh, possibly gone, you know, just very good technical players. But Bishop is definitely that, you know, very good technical player. Excellent. So Ian Bishop. And next to Ian Bishop. Well, I've gone for this diamond. Oh, you're going, sorry, you've gone for a diamond, haven't you? So, yeah, yeah I've got Bishop's the holder. So, is my holding man. Uh, to his right, I've gone for a player who, for me, one of the best players by far that I've I played with. Um, had everything really technically, um, athletically, uh, could score goals, um, did a job for the team out of possession, um, played for his country, deservedly so. Um, I think in another era would have maybe had moves to bigger clubs, but um, yeah, and and an absolute gentleman of a of a guy who, when I was especially as a young apprentice um, growing up, he he was somebody to look up to, not just as a footballer but as a person. And um, I remember another story actually that um, our, our uh, reserve team manager was uh, Trevor Hartley, and one day he got this guy, and we all. Uh, I, I probably was about 17, something like that, and got us in this uh, into a, like a classroom environment and um, just had a chat and, and this guy walked in and uh, it, it was very much along the lines of, you know, what had you prepared for training? How do you, how do you mentally prepare for games uh, physically? How do you look after yourself? And when this player told all of us that he did all these things and how hard he'd had to work to be. And he just made it look so easy, you know, made it look so simple. He looked, he was always the best player and the nicest man and everything, you know, he didn't even look like he, it just looked so simple to him. But when I thought, wow, he has to do all these things, then I'd better make sure I'm doing them all, you know, definitely. So I've got no chance. What chance have I got, you know? And I remember it was one of those penny drop moments. And, um, and, uh, but he was absolutely a legend. Like I say, one of the best players I've ever played with by far. And against you, Ricky Hill, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And again, another one who would have the ball any position on the pitch, and you know, say with players now where they play out, he would be able to do that easily. You know, given the ball, and so strong, could get past people, um, score goals, create, um, very, very technically, very good, and an absolute legend of a man as well. You know, um, oh, you know, Mark. Um, right in the some, it was our guest a few weeks ago. Was he? Yeah, yeah, fair. yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and you know, it's, sometimes you don't even get a chance to tell those players what they meant to you back then, especially as a young lad coming through and seeing him, and, and actually then being able to go on the pitch and play with him. You know, yeah. And and he was on the side of the pitch, and I always loved playing with players like Ricky, who, who like I say, you could just give them the ball and make runs off them, and they find you and and. It, later on in my career, I played with um, uh, people like Kevin Keane, who was like that, um, underrated, but very technically good. Mike Marsh, played, I played with him a bit. And, and I always liked playing with those players who would have the ball at any time and would find you with a pass. And, and you know, as you know, Marv, I, I like to run forward and attack and they would find you, you know. Um, you wouldn't be worried about giving them the ball and then making a run forward that they're going to give it away, put it that way. You know? Right. And like... Ricky, absolute legend. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think he's been the most picked player so far. And I know yeah, he's been very heavily Luton, but I think he's been the most picked mm. player so far. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think people maybe outside of the club wouldn't have, wouldn't have expected that, you know. Um, but um, 
you know, having, you see it on a day-to-day basis when you when you see somebody in training and things that they can do with a ball that you sort of dream of, you know, and um, yeah, absolute legend and underrated. And I mean, I mean, when you think he played for England at a time when you look at some of the players that they had and he was playing for Luton, which was obviously at the time not so much a, a top six club or anything, so it's really hard to get in that England squad and he did it, you know, and rightly so, rightly so. You know, he mentioned some stories like you did about Spurs and things like that. So, mm. is um, yeah, he, um, I like most players you, back then. You mm. didn't really know because there was no agents. So no, no, and uh, you, you know, you could absolutely see all the big clubs would have wanted him. You could play for yeah. any club in you know, easily. You think, you know, and but yeah, that was the way it was. You didn't get to hear and and you know, um, I remember he had his testimonial at the club and everything, and then moved on. Um, that's that's more how it was. You you know you got to that sort of time, maybe have a testimonial, and then you're allowed to go. But nowadays it's uh, very different. Very different. <laughs> Don't think I've seen a testimonial for years. Um... <laughs> <laughs> probably won't. You probably won't. Uh, so other side, Ricky's on the right. Who's on the left? Well, another um, player who's perfect for this sort of position and and used to play that way, um, tucked in. Off, off the left-hand side um, would have the ball in tight areas, uh, not particularly pacey or anything, but didn't need to, could pick people out with passes, could create um, a game very underrated. Uh, and, yeah, uh, really liked him as a as a unassuming character, as a player. Um, he, he uh, another one who could quite easily have, pop, you know, played at a higher, higher or at a, you know, a top six club, if you like, and be comfortable in it, you know, um, good enough technically. But um, not many people would probably realise how good he was. Um, but for that sort of position to play that way, uh, other ones more out-and-out wingers. Um, I, I played with Kingsley, a very good player. You know, ones that, ones that come to mind, like Stan Lazaridis, who was like a quicker forward-thinking Player Stuart Slater, who was who was a left winger, coming inside on his right foot, but out and out wingers, you know. But this sort of system, I've got I've got these players in a a narrow position, if you like, so they're comfortable in the middle of the pitch and not just out and out wingers. So yeah, yeah this that, player would be at Luton. Yeah. At Luton, the other player. Yeah, it was at Luton. Yeah, it was at Luton and played in a three then in in a time when you know perhaps it was quite um, different, you know, quite different to what. A lot of teams played traditionally four four two, and and at the time he played in a team in a in a three in a different sort of shape, as it were, that suited um, what we had at the time. But um, yeah, very 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 good player, very very good player. Is it um, David Priest? It was Marv. Yeah, it was David Priest. Yeah, yeah, bless, oh, him. bless him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, really, really another unassuming guy, but. Did the work in and out possession, um, could create, could see a pass, play around corners, set things up, have the ball in tight areas. Not particularly blessed with, um, you know, particular athleticism, if you like, um, but strong enough, hold people off, yeah, bring people into play. Very clever player. Um, so, he, he yeah. Was the king of, king of the Megs, him. Yeah, he, yeah, he just kept megging everyone, yeah. and he used to just do it constantly, constantly. Yeah. Was he so small? Oh. He nutmeg people, then ran through the legs as well. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, 
Yeah, many, yeah, many, yeah. yeah. I've never but, seen uh, anyone get as many megs as he did in games, training, and you knew it was coming, but you just couldn't do nothing about it. Do you guys as professionals shout what everybody else does on the street about shout megs and then just keep running? Or do you have to... Okay, I wasn't sure if politically you don't do that in training. No, pretty or... let's say he'll do it, and then, and he'll have like three or four players on the opposing team wanting to do him over because he's he's yeah. giggling when he's doing it as well. He's laughing. And during yeah. a game, do you do it? Do you guys shout it during a game just to really annoy the it, other person? Andrew, I'm telling you now, I've played many a game with Preci, and Preci shouts it, and he's giggling. You can hear him laughing, <laughs> running yeah. running away with the ball. You can hear him laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know that. I, I suppose with COVID, you can probably hear it these days, but generally you can't because of the crowd. Right. Oh, that's funny. That's very funny. So, David Priest, um, then we move up the positions, up the pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, in, my, in my system, I've got this diamond. So, at the top of the diamond, I've got somebody who, again, probably for me, I'm sort of, I've got these players and I'm putting them into a situation that would suit them. And I think this would suit him down to the ground. And he sort of played in that withdrawn position a lot of the times anyway, especially um, when I played with him. Um, but very underrated. Um, you know, he, 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 he's, a, he's a striker, but he's playing in that position where he would link the play, see a pass, get in the box and can finish. Could have the ball with his back to goal as well. But some of those players, you play in that, in that sort of position, it's a bit of a luxury, but he wouldn't be a luxury there. He would create and, um, you know, he would he would do the other side of the game, um, use his body physically, help out defensively, you know. Um, I mean, the other players that I uh, played with who could have done that, people like you mentioned Al Berkovic before. He was very, very technically good. Uh, Frank Lampard was coming Lampard. through and he was like yeah. a midfield player running forward. Um, and probably he would not say, you know, he wasn't quite at the levels when when I played with him. He was very young, just coming through. And when he went on in his career, you know, fair play to him. Uh, Don Hutchinson was a bit like that as well, was uh, played in behind very good technically and could could play in that position quite easily. But I've gone for somebody who's who's really known more as a striker, but I think he would perfectly suit that position because he would get forward from there. Um, I mean, later on in my career, we had a few foreign ones who it used to be a bit of um, a, not a joke, but you know, it, you'd say to players, "Where do you play?" And it was yeah, number ten, and all the lads would think, "Oh, right, yeah, you don't really want to do anything defensively." Are you you talking people like Paolo Futra and Radicoy and people like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proferio, Hugo Proferio was a brilliant player, brilliant player, but it was so different for them coming to English football. They they didn't. Um, no, uh, the other one was um, Dumitrescu. Uh, Dumitrescu. There was all these uh, players around Euro 96, wasn't there? Suddenly after Euro 96, there was just an influx of um, players from kind of Romania and Czech Republic yeah. and places like that. Well, we had a few of them. I remember, um, I can remember uh, Illy's first day of training, actually. And um, I can remember it because it was, it, it was just one of them surreal things where... He literally, I was with the physio and we were jogging around. Um, I think I was doing a recovery or something. He was just doing a session and he was just walking into the change room and the session was going on, you know, and the physio's gone, we better, we better have a jog over, we better have a jog over. I don't know what he's done, first day training sort of thing, you know, new signing. So we've gone up to him and he's gone, Illy, Illy, what's up, what's up? 
everything all right? He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, today, no enthusiasm from me. She's like, what do, what do you mean? She said, today I have no enthusiasm. <laughs> so he just walked in. I want massage. And that was it. He walked in and we couldn't believe no. it. Yeah. Your first yeah, day at the club. Uh, you haven't got enthusiasm first day at the club. First day, was like, today, uh, no enthusiasm. And he was an unbelievable technical player, but you just thought it, it was such a different... You couldn't do that, you know? You couldn't do that in in the UK and get away with it in England in, in that league. And you just couldn't be a luxury. But, um, yeah, and, and Radichoyo was similar in certain ways because he, again, technically, what a player. But we played a pre-season game down at um, Torquay and I think it was John Gittens was centre-half and after about five minutes, he completely went through him in a pre-season game and he just wasn't expecting it. And from then on, you thought he was waiting for the next one to come before, you know, when he was controlling it or whatever he was trying to do technically. You saw it in training, but didn't see it in the games because you thought, oh, does he really want to be here, you know, and with the physicality, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, my player would, he would be there, come rain or shine, he'd be there and he'd have the ball and he'd score and he'd create and he'd do the other side. So that's why he'd be in my team. Brian Steen? You got him. Yes, Marv. Yeah, you got yeah. him. You got him. Very like good player. Said, Very good player. Actually, he, he he drifted into that role anyway, didn't he, Steely, to be fair mm. to him? And like you yeah. said, I mean, yeah. a, a terrific player, especially with his back to goal. I think Ricky mentioned it mm. in his podcast. Mm. He was even mm. more dangerous when he had his back to goal than he was when he faced you up. He used to have that yeah. little drop on the shoulder, didn't he, and just turn and yeah. get a yeah. shot off. And yeah, the, he, um, he, yeah. Mm. Mark yeah, was similar, he, wasn't he? Birdman was similar. Very similar. Yeah, Mark, Mark's very, very similar. And um, again, like I said earlier, when, when you think of ones who were at the height of career, Brian probably was in them years, you know. And um, and and I looked up to him as well as, as you know, a strong character um, who helped, he helped me massively, you know, would take you under his wing and give you a few words away from the, you know, away from the lads and whatever and a few things he said to me and even once I remember him and Ricky actually which are probably um, this was uh, we had a new manager uh, I don't want to say too bad too much but um, I was having an absolute nightmare in this game I was having an absolute nightmare and uh, it was one of them well you probably know Mark when, it, when you get the ball and the manager sort of tell you what to do with the ball and it was all nice movement in training and it just wasn't on for me. And I, I was, first half, I was absolutely having a nightmare. I think Steeny and Ricky realised it. So as we're walking out, second half, I'm thinking, oh no, because the manager was sort of like, get it, do this, do it. And I, and I was confused, really. So they just said, listen, you're a good player. Just don't worry about it. Just get the ball, give it to me. I'll have it. Play, 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 and we'll play. So uh, I thought, yeah, sod it. And I did. And second half, it was chalk and cheese. It, it was great. And afterwards, everyone was like, ah, oh, well played. That's what I want. That's what I want. So it, it sort of penny dropped on me a little bit. I was trying too hard to please the manager because the right. things that he wanted me to do weren't particularly on. Whereas these two were just like, listen, don't worry. Just play and give me the ball. We'll have it and we'll play. And you'll naturally, you'll play. Talking about because Brian was a goal scorer. Tim, I mean, I think maybe you a little bit similar to myself. I mean, I don't remember you scoring that many goals at Luton and all right throughout your career, but I do want remember one particular goal away at Derby. Um, yeah, the, was, I mean, I was I think I was not involved that day, but I went to the game. That that wasn't something we worked on, though, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, I'm going to because it was a, a hell of a strike, by the way. I don't mean, I mean, and against the big man, Schultz, Peter Shilton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick that one out, Schultz. It was one of them, wasn't it? I don't know where. It, well, it's it's a bit of a long story, but my my uh, I I had a um, toe injury from Boxing Day, believe it or not, and from then on for the rest of the season, I had to get um, a jab in my toe. Every, before every game and we didn't always have a doctor um, travel with us so I used to go to everywhere around the country we played and I used to get a jab and um, it would it would just numb it and I'd get through the game sort of thing anyway I, on that day um, I had the jab I remember my foot was still numb and the game was just about to start and my foot was numb as anything I thought oh no <laughs> but anyway um, that's probably why <laughs> <laughs> I flew in, but I just remember, um, and, my, and my dad had followed my career everywhere, and, and he was great, and he knew there was a lot of nerves leading up to the game, and he, he, he wrote me a letter, basically, and, and it was along the lines of, listen, you can do anything you want, and, you know, just believe in it, and that type of, you know, that type of letter, and don't worry, you know, just, you're good enough, and that sort of thing, you know. And I just had that feeling, no matter what, even though I couldn't feel my foot, I just felt confident. And I remember it was like pre and I just said to him, look, I fancy this. He's like, really, do you? I went, yeah, yeah. And he just knocked it to the side, and I just smashed it, and it went in. And I couldn't believe Real, it. Isn't it? Couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the story behind. I have to and see if we can find it on YouTube. <clears throat> it should be, it should it should be on I've seen it once. Oh, it's up there, is it? Have you seen it once? I'm sure I've seen it once. What one of one of my um, my lads found it and said, "Have you seen this, Dad?" I went, "Yes." Did that was that really me? Are you sure? And yeah, yeah. How many yeah, goals did you it. score, Tim? How many goals in my whole score? career? Yeah. Do you know what, Marv? I don't actually know, but it weren't many. More than, I didn't. I didn't more score than ten. More than ten. I don't think it was. I think it was under ten. You know. Well, I mean, but, I've got, um, I mean, I'm nine. I think I'm nine or ten. I've tried to. I've always tried to scrape to the ten to get double figures. <laughs> I've always tried to just. Uh, I, I'll go and say, yeah, that came off me. That, that that it was ten. It was ten. But yeah, I bet. No, you still I think you're in single figures, Tim? Yeah, I think I think I am. Yeah, I think I am. I've tried. I don't want to sort of. It wasn't my thing anyway. But I can. I start remembering. Yeah, what about that one? And then you yeah, know, start I, taking yeah. penalties just to get yourself up. Or do you include penalty shootouts in it? Nah, they, we never had it. I can't remember even having a penalty shootout because you never had them then, did you? No. Only they just from, went replay uh, after replay after replay, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was replays. And and um, Julian Dix was the penalty taker and um, at, at uh, West Ham and Coy. He used to smash him and he, he didn't miss. Nobody was going to get a penny off him. But um, no, I remember I never scored at Kenilworth Road and there's one time I can almost picture it now when uh, it was on the plastic pitch and um, it was getting a bit of a joke that I'd never scored at Kenworth Road and the ball's come flying through. I think it was against Wimbledon and um, I controlled it as it bounced and then as the ball bounced in front of me, it's like an open goal, but as my foot come down, so I put one foot up quite high, as it come down, it clipped my other foot and I went over in the penalty area and the ball just ran through to the keeper. And it was one of those moments that I, <laughs> I wake up thinking, ah, oh, I've never, how did I miss that? You know, it was, it was forgotten, but I can remember it. I can remember it. You wanted the earth, you know, swallow you up sort of thing, you know. So you tripped yourself up? I tripped myself up with an open goal, yeah. 
Yeah, literally controlled it. <laughs> my eyes were open. Like, oh, this is it. I'm actually going to score. You know, throw. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Was, I that, that, was, that, was that before the Derby goal? I'm guessing, yeah. This um, no, uh, yeah, it must have been because the Derby goal was literally my last full season at, at, at Luton. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I met with uh, the West Ham um, chief scout was at a meeting when I met Billy Bonds. And he asked me about that goal. I went, yeah, yeah, no problem. He used to practice all the time. He trained. I can do that all the time. <laughs> He's expecting a goal-scoring fullback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to Jim, see him take what... three kicks. Yeah. Oh, dear. Jim, funny, was, it, you know? was it a case that your um, contract was up at Luton? Or was it um, a case that you thought, well, they've come in for me, West Ham, and, and I want to try somewhere else? And was there any other clubs? Alongside West Ham, who were interested? Um, yeah, I, my contract. I was in my last year, anyway, um, and uh, what, there was there was rumours of other clubs, but I hadn't spoken to anybody. But it was almost known to everybody, all the players at the time, that everybody's going there all for sale. I think even the season before, like you mentioned, when we stayed up last game of the season, and uh, it was an unbelievable feat to stay up because we were dead and buried, you know. And um, I just remember the leading up to um, deadline day was a bit of like, who, who are we going to sign? We've got to sign some players. We need some help sort of thing. And then the rumours were that, no, every, they were trying to get rid. They're trying to get rid, you know. And, you know, obviously we stayed oh, every, everyone, everyone bar me. <laughs> no, you were the main man. They said, we've got to build this future around you, Mark. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, it was no surprise then, um, when West Ham came in and, and there was talk about um, Villa at the time as well. Um, but, you know, it was back in them days, say no agent, you just, oh, they've agreed a fee and you go and, and I remember talking to the chairman at Luton and saying, well, you know, if I stay, I might be able to get testimonials. He said, no, you're not staying, you're going sort of thing, you know, it was a bit like that. You're going, oh, all right, okay. You know, um, and luckily I joined a very good club and, enjoyed myself there and it was very similar to Luton in terms of the way that they played football and things they appreciated and uh, yeah I was very lucky in my career. And who did you support growing up Tim? Oxford? Because you're close to Oxford or? Um, I was actually I know what you're going to say when I tell you you're going to say I was a trophy hunter but I believe it or not I wasn't I was a Liverpool fan oh, um, yeah. It's two of you I was as well Tim yeah. My my one my reason being is because I've said it before, the first FA Cup final I can remember watching, which was live and mm. remembering, was when mm. they lost to Manchester United in, in nineteen twenty seven. So I thought they've lost. I don't yeah. I want to support Liverpool and that was my reasoning behind that. What was your reasoning, Tim? I mine was mine was different actually. I, I was that small, um, and I remember my neighbour, I looked up to him and we used to go and kick a ball about. And um, he said to me, if anyone asks you, you tell them you support Liverpool. So I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. you know, the big boys telling me to do that. That's what I'm going to do. And it was only later on that I realised that they weren't any good then. It was before Shankly went there. It was that, yeah, it was that. I was only like four or five years old, you know. And he was my neighbour then. I looked back and I thought, no, they actually weren't that great. But I was lucky that I ended up supporting a really good team. And then it was, like I say, my first memories really was that Keegan and Toshak um, partnership and and in the watching them in, on match of the day and that sort of thing, you know. 
and the crowd there and I loved it, you know, and I loved the, the club and what it stood for and the players and, yeah, and was lucky enough to play there one day. So that, and that was one of them sort of dream things that I wanted to do. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, excellent. So moving on to strike force, playing in front of Brian. Yeah, well, I think for me, most team needs some physical presence up there. And there was two players that came to mind when um, I thought about this. and uh, But one of them shaded it really because same thing as before. He was in like the prime of his career when I played with him. Um, was physical presence a, a, a target for you, but also very underrated technically. Uh, could score goals, bring people into the play, um, great touch, headed goals, goals with his feet, um, and a fantastic player. And and somebody you know, like I mentioned before, about when you're coming through as young young player, and they give you a great impression of what's important in the game in terms of a lot of. Um, lot of things that you don't know when you're when you're young and uh he was another one of those and an absolute legend of a guy but you know an underrated technical footballer and another one who played for his country um maybe at the time um he wasn't as as rated before I played with him actually nothing to do with me but um then went on to play for other clubs and had a very very good career and deservedly so, very good player. But, and, and another one who was, sorry, another one who was like that was um, very similar and maybe even looked up to him. I don't know, because they both were, I don't know if they're in this, the club at the same time, maybe, maybe not, but I played with him later on in my career. Um, was similar type, very, very good. But yeah, one of them shaded yeah. it, so... I was going to say, were they both at the same club, but maybe not at the same time? Were they? Was, yes. No, yeah. I would have said, like, yeah. Mick Hartford is the one you choose it, choosing, and the one who's, like, a similar John Hartson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well done, Mark, yeah. Yeah, both of them very good players. Um, physical, obviously, both physical, but technically good as well, technically good. And uh, something that I think... You don't see that so much now uh, in terms of that type of player, but back then as well, um, you know, when it, when there was a lot of blood and thunder football, you needed players like that. And, and and I think like the technicality that they had sometimes was overlooked because because of the physical side. And you used to get games where you used to think, you know, with Mick and and Johnny Artson that if the ref after the first foul, for some reason the ref didn't like him, that was it. Then you know they. It was going to be a hard day for them because they're all. If they went near anybody, the record blow whistle. But other days, you know, they would be using their body to great effect. But if they didn't, they're both technically very, very good, very underrated. Yeah. Do you yeah. still have a lot to do with Mick? Um, obviously, in your current role, um, do you still chat to him? Um, I speak to Mick. Yeah, um, used to see him a lot more out at games. Um, not so much now because I'm not out as much as I used to be. Um, bump into him all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, speak on the phone, but yeah, he's, a, he's an absolute legend of a guy. Um, fantastic job he's done, and you know, well thought of it at Luton, deservedly so. You know, he's, he's done a lot for the club, and I think it's you know obvious that he's uh, got a great love, deep love for the club. And but I was lucky that I was there with him. Um, and like I say, fantastic player, but also a fantastic man and, and a great bloke. Yeah, I mean, to you two gents, you were there when he came back. Am I right in saying that? Am I got the mud dates right? I didn't leave. I didn't leave. No, I meant when Mick Harford came back. <laughs> Not you came back. When Mick Harford came back, 
Were you there when he came back as well, Tim? No, no. He um, he left. I'm sure he left because that game at Derby we mentioned. We played again. He played for Derby that day. Yeah. I, yeah, that's why I wasn't sure if he joined just in time. But I was just wondering, um, what was the what was your guy's opinion when he came back in? Uh, but obviously, you weren't there, Tim. So I got my dates mixed up in terms of the late kind of the late eighties, early nineties around that time. But Mar, what was it like when he came back in the club? I mean, he's he's come home. <laughs> it was like, I mean, did I it think feel like it, that? Yeah, it did. It did, and I think if he he spoke to Mick about it. He, he's, he's always going to have that connection. I think he always had that connection, even though he was away um, playing at other clubs. I mean, I've mentioned it before. I mean, I've not been in the position to experience other clubs. And um, there's, I mean, so maybe it's something with, with, with Tim, you could, I mean, speak about that. When, when you, like, play for Luton and then you go somewhere else, yes, I mean, I think there's obviously some very good and ambitious clubs out there, but there's always something which still holds in a little affection for you with Luton for some reason as a player, in my opinion. I mean, and that's why I think so many ex-players come back and re-signed um, over a period of their career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I agree with what you're saying, Marvin. You know, I felt lucky that I played for you know, well, three clubs, but two of them were very similar to QPR um, had that sort of feeling about it, but I wasn't there that long as a player. I was more, I was longer there. I was longer, I served longer as a coach basically there. But um, yeah, um, and I think as well, when you come through somewhere and the feeling within the club of the family, people say a family club and outside of it, think, what does that mean? But there was that atmosphere around the place of the people and the staff, not just, you know, the players and the way that, um you know, that, that there was a camaraderie amongst everybody at the club, you know, um, especially sometimes when you're not, you know, almost when you're batting above your, above your station at times, which for me at my time there, you know, it was always in the top division. So I was, I was quite lucky like that, you know, um, and a lot of it was, you know, there was relegation fights, but um, we got through them and um, you sort of got, I remember um, Jimmy Ryan, when he was manager at Luton and, and that season when we survived and um, him saying to us, you know, listen, if you survive and you get through this, this will be something you'll remember for the rest of your career and life. And you, because of the people you were with and that you'd achieve something, albeit, you know, against the odds, that type of thing. And, and I think at Luton, the supporters understood that, you know, and um, I was lucky at West Ham is very much like that as well. As long as you, you know, people thought about these clubs, and um, I remember the first day I signed at uh, West Ham, Frank McAvenny was there and uh, he was a legend at the club and he was playing in the reserves at that day. He was coming back from a bad injury and um, we just chatted and that. he said, listen, if you first chance you get, don't worry about technically, you're not going to be, you could, you're going to be judged on that. But he said, if you get a chance to put somebody in the chicken run, just do it and they'll love it, you know. In other words, if you're giving everything for the team, right. they'll forget. They'll forgive other things, you know, because they want to see that. And Luton was like that, you know. Yeah. Okay, they want to see football. They want to see that side of it. But it's not just about going out and you had to do it. You had to do the other side and show that you care. And then they cared for you. And it was like that sort of feeling at, at both them clubs for me. And, um, and I think that's why people go back there with happy memories and yeah. uh, 
of good times, you know. And like I say, even for me, there was some good times. Also, there was times when you were, you know, backs against the wall and you come through a relegation battle, that sort of thing. You still remember with pride, if you like, you still you feel like it, it left something with you in terms of the rest of your career, you know. Yeah. Tim, so you, you came through the ranks similar to myself. Who, who was your youth team coach when you were coming through? And what other players were there that went on to have a career, if not at Luton? Mm. Um, well, the legend was John Moore. He was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I see, like, brings a smile to your face. And I think about him and, and, and he was fantastic for me, as he was a lot of the lads then at that time. And, and uh, you know, not just in terms of technical things and, you know, training and your body and all sorts, but there was just things he sort of helped you to grow up and, you know, made you realise about things and his morals and everything about it and why you treat people was something that, you know, I think was was fantastic, not just in terms of, you know, you becoming a footballer, but a person. And um, and we had, a, we, had a, we had a really good group then. Um, you know, Mitchell was there. Mitchell Thomas, obviously, Mitch would have been in my team as well um, if Julian hadn't come along. Um, then uh, Ray Daniels, who went on to have a career, Stacey North. Um, Gary Parker was the year above. Uh, another one I should have mentioned was a midfield player. I'm sorry, somebody's trying to run there. Um, uh, yeah, trying to think of what, what other ones were there. It was um, Alec Chamberlain was later, wasn't it? Um, who else was it? But we, we did have a good... We got through to the uh, FA Youth Cup semi-final. Oh, you did? Uh, uh, yeah, and, and in them days, it was a big it was a big thing. And we played Norwich two legs. And um, I think there was about 10,000 at Norwich for the second leg, something like that. It, it was fantastic. And um, all I just remember after the game, you know, David Pleat was there. And um, he just came in afterwards and said, listen, you've done well, everybody. And, and he said, I'll tell you now, there'll be more out of you guys. You'll make it than in the other dressing room. And he was right. He was right. I don't know the exact facts of it, but I remember looking a couple of years later and thinking, oh, yeah, he was absolutely right there. You know, players who still played and had careers and, um, you know, uh, rather than just disappeared and didn't have a career. Yeah. And and that was all testament to to John Moore, uh, David Coates, Trevor Hartley later on as well. They were all very good for, for me personally. And I think a lot of the lads at the time, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, very lucky. Great. Excellent. So next to Mick Harford, who have we got, Tim? Well, this again, this is part of my little plan of this team. Is is um, it's a mixture of creativity, um, a big man, and then around him, then um, I've got somebody who I played with who probably others might not think will get in this team, but for me, he was un- another underrated one. Um, he was one of those players, and when I was coaching, I used to talk to people, players, and it was something that was when he when you had the ball, he made your mind up, and um, with his movement, and his movement was very very good. He could hold the ball up um, again, could bring people into play, win headers, um, but his movement was was better than people given credit for. Um, I mean, I was lucky to play with some very good centre-forwards, but they, again, they weren't maybe at the top of their game at the time. Um, I mean, I mentioned Frank McIverney when I went to West Ham was there. Tony Cotty came back to the club later on. 
Um, Clive Allen came to the club and what an unbelievable finisher that guy was. He was some finisher. Um, another player, well, we mentioned Mark Steen before, um, very good player. Yeah. Another one who, um, back in the Luton days, uh, Mecca Najobi. Mecca was an unbelievable player and un unlucky with his injury. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was um, quite a lot of strikers. Paul Kitson came to uh, West Ham for a bit as well. Um, yeah. Good finisher. And another one like this player who would run the channels. Uh, but this type of player in my mix, I've got the big man. I've got somebody who's going to run the channels for me, run all day. He's going to make good runs in behind, stretch the opposition, then... Brian will get on the ball. Ricky will manoeuvre it. We'll get crosses in. Is this, we'll be dominant. Is this, player, is this player from West Ham days? He's from West Ham days, yeah. I haven't... I mean, I've just guessed that. And you got, I haven't got... I'm trying to think. Do you mind Defoe? Pardon? Do you mind Defoe? No, he was... He was an, he, he would have been a couple of years... On, well, quite a few years after me, actually. But, yeah, he was coming through the ranks, I think. He yeah, I know he was coming through in the late 90s. That's why I wasn't sure yeah. if... If you yeah. saw a lot I, was of I was thinking of um, Kitson, but you've already said Kitson. That's who I was no, thinking of originally. Kitson came. It's funny, yeah, West Ham, there was a little bit of a, like the Luton one, where um, we were struggling a bit. And and uh, Harry brought in Johnny Arts and Kitson. He brought in David Burrows at left back. Um, he did a bit of transfer work, if you like. Uh, Lee Chapman was there for a bit. But these were players, you know, I played uh, a bit with them. Maybe was it their... Purple patch, if you like, but this guy at the time when I played with him, and like say a goal scorer, he, he scored his his fair fair share. Yeah, it wasn't an out and out, not like a Tony Cotty or or like I say okay. Clive Allen. He's finishing. It wasn't an out and out finish. He did a bit of everything. I'm getting him. He's running the channels. He's running in behind. Um, he's holding the ball up. I, I just got this memory of get getting the ball, and you'd know there'd be this telepathy. You'd know where he wanted. Right. He just knew, and it was his movement. His movement just he made you. He wasn't an international, was he? No, no. Oh. He, he came from he came from lower leagues. Um, he was at oh. a bigger club before. Was he? Was he at um, Norwich? Uh, I don't think so, Marv. It okay. began with an N, but he was at Northampton. No, my mind's gone. With one of the other players I mentioned, who's my holding midfield player, they were synonymous together, and um, they signed. Oh. I, think they, I think they signed together from Man City. So you another. You mentioned Kevin Gallon. He's another one I forgot about. Kev. I played yeah. with Kev a bit. I've seen the one. Yeah, when I, when I, the one I was thinking of Norwich was the. I know it's not him. Dean Ashton. No, he came. He was. He was it'd been after. It'd have been yeah. <laughs> He what was the old? He's got dark hair, isn't he? This guy up front, it's in the forward. Dark hair, dark, yeah, dark hair. Yeah. Um, I think he played for Reading as well. I think he played for Reading. Um, started at Northampton. Nah, too early in the morning. Man. I'm done. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Can we tell you? Yeah, go on. We, we, you've go. done us. You've done us. Trevor Morley. Trevor Morley. I could see him dark hair. Trevor Morley. Yeah. Yeah, he was a very good player. And like I say, he, he, in my team, I need somebody. At, at Luton, Mark Steens did it sometimes. Mecca did it sometimes. They did that running when Brian played a little bit deeper. Um, right. Yeah. And I, that's what my team is with my diamond. I need that man who's going to run the channels and he's doing that for me all day. I mean, it's one name I'm surprised isn't on the team sheet. And I'm probably going to be stuffed up with dates again. 
Did you play with Decania? That's who I was thinking of, Decania. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Very, Did you play with Decania? Very briefly, only a few times. He he came in. He was um, he was the the one that came off of. I, I can't think of any of the other foreign signings we that we signed at the time that really happened, but he was one that it, it did obviously happen there. Well, you didn't um, sign him from the from a foreign club, though, did you? You just signed no, him from Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. Because I think he, I'm not sure. I think he had the thing with the ref, didn't he? Was it because? Yeah, of that? I think he was still yeah. suspended when you bought him or something. It's a little bit like the the uh, Cantner one, wasn't it? Like he sort of leads to that they had enough of him and then Man United, wow, got him and mm. unbelievable. But, um, but yeah. sorry, anyway, we got a great, so Trevor Morley, what's it about right. Trevor? So you mentioned quite a lot about him. Um, mm. How would he compliment Mick? Is it movement? You he, say? Move, movement, running, running. Yeah. I, th- I think sometimes when you get um, partnerships, you need somebody who's going to stretch your, stretch the opposition and not just playing in front of them. And he would do that. Like I say, with clever little movement, um, he'd be coming towards the ball and then he'd spin and then he'd want the ball and and you could find him. But And he'd do, you know, he'd, he'd do uh, defenders with his movement as much as anything else. And he's quite strong, could finish. But again, for me, he was underrated, you know. And like other ones who came along, were, there were some great players, like I say. Um, but I just think at the time, he would compliment Mick and Steeny together. It's either that I was going to go four four two, but I thought no, I'm going to go with the diamond. And wow, that's and, uh, a good team. Tre- I like that team. Tre- Trevor's in there. Trevor's in there. And uh, so yeah, which manager is going to manage that team then, or lead that oh, team? I think it's going to have to be David Clee. It's it's sort of his team that I think it could relate to in terms of you know the shape and things and the movement of the players and and. Um, he, I, I thought he was very good, especially for myself at the time. And um, things he helped me with and I took throughout my career. And uh, So I think when that team, I, I remember him putting together that team um, that did so well in the 80s, that um, it wasn't most teams were or 4 4 2 very much so. But we never really played that. We had a different shape a lot of the time. Or if we did, it was, you know, different players complementing each other, not... Um, sort of traditional positions and I think that he was quite ahead of his time in terms of that and and you know Marv for me the managers who um, when you knew what they were going to say you expecting they were going to you know maybe have a go at you because you were losing or if you were doing well think you were going to get you you never knew what you were going to get you never knew if you were going to get a pat on the back or you didn't know what you were going to get so you was always on your toes like that with him and um, I think he was he was very clever and like I say he he um, encouraged me a lot in terms of um, practicing and working and tech, you know, my technique and, and, and he helped me, he helped me a lot. You know, uh, Billy Bonds was the manager at uh, West Ham, Simon, he was fantastic as as an absolute legend of a bloke. Um, When you say about athlete, I remember playing in um, his second testimonial and he was unbelievable. (laughs) It was his second testimonial. He was a manager. (laughs) <laughs> there was about 20,000 there. It was unbelievable. And, and cross-country running, oh, he'd beat most of the players. He'd beat most wow. of the players, yeah. Yeah, he was some athlete. And, and and an absolute gentleman of a bloke, a legend of a bloke, you know. But um, for me, completely at the time. With that David people, Pleat. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, and right now, um, 
what are you what are you up to right now? Just for the listeners who don't keep up to date with um, particularly lower leagues football, um, what, yeah. where are you at right now, Tim? I'm not actually anywhere right now. Uh, my okay. last club was I, I did a bit of work for Sunderland. Um, a very good friend of mine was manager there, Phil Parkinson, and um, I've worked with him. I was his assistant manager at Cholton, uh, and then we saw I. We parted ways for a little bit and then I went and worked with him at Bradford and Bolton and then Sunderland. So, yeah, that was uh, that was more scouting side at those places where I was a, I was a coach at Cholm with him. Uh, before that, I was a coach with um, Ian Holloway at QPR, then Plymouth, then Leicester. Then I went to Cholton, then I went to Millwall coaching um, and then scouting with Phil. Um, so that was my last job. Scouting. So which which one do you enjoy yeah. the most? Coaching or scouting? Um definitely coaching, to be honest. I think I think if you for me, number one playing, number two coaching, if you can't play anymore, um co- coaching jobs is harder to come by. Um and luckily scouting wise up with Phil, he uh we we're good friends anyway, but he he would ask me about the the coaching side of things, not his coaches, but in terms of the opposition, I used to go and watch his opposition all the time. So, you know, often he'd ring me when he got their team and say, what do you think they're going to do with this or that? Or And so I still had a coaching head on when I was watching the f- watching opposition and things, and I really enjoyed that. So, so you, you weren't necessarily just... going out looking for kids coming through no. and stuff like that. You were more opposition I before was, the game was, kind of thing. Yeah, I sort of dovetailed the two at the club's that I worked with him, we never we never had a great deal of money in terms of having a big department. So I did a bit of everything during the during the week. I'd be all over the country uh, watching younger players and um, possible loan targets or ones who were you know um, going to be let go. Sometimes you know that type of thing. Um, and then on a Saturday, it'd be the next opponent, no matter where it was. You know, um, so that was. Like I said, I found that really interesting. The, the, but sometimes you're on your own a lot as a scout. You know, you're you're sort of listening to the result coming through as you're going out of a game, rather than you know when you're a coach and your team scores. You, you're, it's fantastic. You know, you're there. You you're like one of the team. Whereas you're you're listening to it on the radio. It's not quite the same. Um, but yeah, one the, one of my best ones at, uh, in the scouting one was um, when we was at Bradford. We picked Chelsea um, we, we got Chelsea in the cup and I went and watched them at Swansea Mourinho was manager and they were they were the best team I'd seen for well obviously I was watching the lower league teams anyway but even and they were they were very very good and I thought oh no we're going to get absolutely battered you know and uh, so uh, and they I think I think they got beat by Yeovil Bradford I think they got beat by Yeovil and he was on the bus on the way back and he rang me and said Gone then. What about Chelsea? I went. Oh my God! How many buses you got? How many? You know I mean? <laughs> How many buses? It was like that. It was. Uh, but um, we come up with the game plan, and and then I was the next week. I was or when they played them, I was at Colchester, I think. And uh, one of the lads I used to play with, Mark Bertram, was there, and he he's a proper take the piss, you know. And he said, "Your boys are winning." I went, "Yeah, good one, all right, Birch." So he went, "No, no, they're winning." And then and then I walked out just a couple of minutes to go and they were 
I think they were three two up, and I thought I just hold on. I can't. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that they were winning. I got in my car and uh, said, "Oh, we're going over to Stamford Bridge." And I thought, "Oh no, by me, how long's left? Are they going to be able to hold on for a draw and get a replay?" And it's like Bradford has scored again. It's four two. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And that was the satisfaction of as much as you get when you're scouting. You know, it's like you're sort of cheering in the car on your own sort of thing. But uh, yeah, so that's. Uh, that's where I'm at, really. The scouting's the, the latest thing I've done. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and final question before Marvin asks you to shoot off is, yeah. um, Marvel's like to so artists, but I don't know if he's asking it today, is your favourite looting game you've ever played in? I think the reason, because I probably know the answer, I mean, yeah. I, mean I mean, but just go ahead and say that. And I'm, I'm curious as well, Tim, to find out what age was you when you played in that final? Um, I was... 20, uh, I, I was 22. Too young, that's still quite young, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I mean, an 18 year old, like in, in and out of a like team, just like covering for Fozzie or yeah. now, mm. as and when, if there was an injury. But you was always a when I was like on the outside, I always saw you as a which you was anyway, a regular, but I thought. As a regular, I just looked upon you as maybe like a 25, 26. Oh, and then now, just yeah, no. to you, it's amazing to I'm think just, that you were still quite young. Yeah, I was quite, I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to, honestly, my have you done me there with your maths? But um, I, I didn't feel, yeah, yeah, I didn't feel really, I didn't feel like I would just come into the team, put it that way, you know. Um, I did at the, uh, the FA Cup semi final. That was, that was, um, and, Biggest game at, at that age. I was eighteen then. That was, uh, was that eighty-five. But um, yeah, eighty-five. Yeah, and that was. You just think that those things are going to come along all the time somehow because it happened then at that time. Oh, it's the FA Cup semi-final, uh, and I just remember Ricky scoring, and I was one of the first ones there, and we were screaming, literally screaming, and and the fans. It, it was ama- amazing. We didn't hold on, but yeah, the the. Um, Littlewoods Cup final was just something I'll never forget. Was that the greatest yeah. moment in your career? Uh, probably, yeah, because, you know, you think it might happen again and we were there the next year and it didn't. And then I was involved in semi-finals, never got to the FA Cup final and you just never know, do you? But when you think back, you think, yeah, and because um, we were underdogs as well and the way the game went. Um, and my biggest memory of the, of the game was... Um, we scored to go 3-2 up and myself and Mal were towards the halfway line and the ref was coming back. It, was so, they were so, it wasn't like everybody went around to celebrate. It's like you're a defender. like, you've got a hold, you know. So me and Mal went to the ref, said, how long left? He went, that's it. That's it. It's, it's nearly over. So we're like, really? It was that, it, it was, have we won or not? You know, it's one of those because it was a topsy-turvy and just that thought. We've actually, we've done it. We've done it. You know, can we just hold on for 10 seconds or whatever? I don't even know what it was, but that was the thing I could, I can remember as much as anything of the, of the game was just that moment, you know. Were well, you stood yeah. there at that moment going, should have signed me Arsenal? Told you. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know about it, did he? He didn't know about it. No, no, I mean, looking back now, you probably should have thought so again. Told you. Told you. Yeah, 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 true. True, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. yeah, actually, that might have been... I never even thought about that, you know. That might have been um, after that game because I don't think Lee Dixon was there at that time. I think I don't think they had quite the team. They won the league the next year, I think, didn't they, Arsenal? Yeah, they won it in 89 and 91, yes. All right, OK. You were Arsenal supporter then, Andrew. 
I they're my Premier League team. If I have to go for oh, anybody, they're my. I go for Luton hands down. But yeah, when I was a kid, as you always do. Um, yes, but yeah. I support. I was I was only four. My old man went to the game. He went to all those ones. So Did he? yes, oh, yes, brilliant. But no, that's it's fantastic. But that's one for you to think about. And when we finish on the pod, you'll be thinking about that, trying to work out, did George Graham want to yeah. sign me off the back of my performance? <laughs> yeah. No, Lo- lovely, lovely. Well, um, I want to say thank you very much for your time, Tim. Yes. Um, thank you, Tim. It's been fantastic talking to you. And oh, um, uh, just give you a 30-second chance to say anything to any fans of West Ham, QPR or Luton. No, i just say um, thank you for listening. Yeah, I've, hopefully you've enjoyed a bit of reminiscing. I have definitely fantastic times and I'm lucky to be part of, you know, three really good clubs and two uh, two where I remember got some unbelievable memories of times there and just very thankful that I was allowed um, to be part of their history, if you like. So, yeah, thanks very much. Thank you, Tim. Fantastic. And that was Tim Breakers, my best 11.